All right, let's take our Bibles this morning. Let's go to the Gospel according to Mark, all right? The Gospel according to Mark, and we'll be in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 this morning, and find your place there. And as you do, we're still looking, just keep in mind what what we started to do on Sunday mornings, is look into the miracles of Christ. And we're doing that some on Wednesdays, but I'm going to transition that over onto Sundays as well. And maybe even primarily to Sundays and begin looking at Galatians on Wednesdays. But uh, but anyway, we are in and looking at the miracles of Christ. And every time, every time we come to a new miracle found in the gospel records, I want you, I'm going to remind us every time too, okay? But I want you to keep in mind the purpose behind them. I want you to keep in mind the purpose behind the miracles found in the gospel records. Remember, these are not just for some kind of show. They're not just for some kind to be some kind of spectacle like Herod wanted to see, King Herod. He wanted to see some kind of magic show, if you remember that, in Luke chapter number 23, verse number 8. For a long season, he desired to see Jesus to do some mighty thing. He just wanted to see a show. That's not the purpose behind them. They're not to wow the crowds and draw a following, though no doubt seeing these miracles, if you were there in person, they would have been jaw-dropping, all right, to see some of these things that Jesus did. It would have been absolutely amazing. I mean, have you ever seen somebody raised from the dead? Yeah, me neither, all right? But to see that, that would have been absolutely amazing. So, but they're not there just to, just to show an, an amazingness of Jesus or to wow the crowds. They're not even there just to show His power, though it's seen over and over and over again, the very power of Christ. And there is nothing too hard for Him. Please see that, but that's not just why. But rather, I believe, I believe that the miracles of Christ are in Scripture for us to prove and to show that Jesus is, listen, the Son of God. To prove that He is the Christ, that He is the Messiah, that He is God come in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. It's to prove that He is God come in the flesh. And even this past Wednesday, if you remember that miracle of the maniac of Gadara, that miracle again points to that very fact. Because even at the very end of that miracle in Luke chapter 8 verse 39, Jesus tells the man, He says, go show what great things God hath done for thee. And then the Bible goes on to say that the maniac of Gadara did this. He went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. This is not contradictory. Why? Because Jesus is God, my friends. And he is just showing again through this miracle his deity. So understand, as you see, the miracles of Christ are pointing to the fact that He is the Son of God, that He is Emmanuel, He is God with us, He is the Almighty. John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. Here's what John had to say about it. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written. Meaning we have these miracles recorded for us. Why? That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you might have life through His name. So here's the, the purpose behind them to show that He is Messiah, He is Christ, He is the Son of God. And seeing this fact and understanding this truth should cause you and I to believe on Him as our Savior so we have, may have life through His name. That's the purpose, all right? So keep in mind these, this, the purpose of the miracles as we come to Him each and, every, each and every time. See Jesus for His power, yes, but see Jesus for His person of who He really is. All right, 
So as we come to our next miracle this morning, we'll be in Mark chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 25 through 34. And also, if you like to mark in your Bible, you will find this event recorded in Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 through 22, and Luke chapter 8, verse 42 through 48. But we're going to mainly land in Mark chapter 5 this morning for this miracle. And this miracle that we're going to look at today is this, the healing, the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. The healing of the woman, the issue of blood. And as you might see already, as you may be looking ahead or reading ahead, even right now, you may notice and take note that uh, this miracle of this lady takes place in the middle of another miracle. It really is sandwiched between another miracle, the miracle of the raising of Jairus' daughter. And we'll look at that miracle next time, all right? But today, I want us to focus in on this woman with the issue of blood. So if you will, follow along with me as I read Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 25, and we'll go down through verse 34. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus came in the press behind him and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest, Who touched me? They were saying, Look, Jesus... There is a multitude of people around and they're, they're, they're bumping into you and, and they accidentally may be touching your clothes or, or whatever, what have you. And you're, you're, you're about to say, who, who touched me? Jesus. Look at the multitude of people. This is a crazy question. But let's listen to what, listen, listen what the Bible says. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. He knew what happened. He knew the very individual that did this. He knew the woman that did this. And verse number 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. And while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of that synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Going on to talk about Jairus' daughter. All right. But right in the middle of that miracle, we see this one, the woman with the issue of blood. And the first thing I'd like for us to consider... About this woman with the issue of blood is this. Number one, take note of this, all right? Take note of this woman's desperation. Desperation. Now, the Bible says that her issue was an issue of blood. Now, we don't know exactly what that issue was. We don't know what, what exactly had to do with her blood. We can suppose it may have been, been something, uh, one thing or another, but, but it, did, it does paint this kind of picture with this issue of blood that it, it paints a continual uh, bleeding. Because the Bible says in verse 29 that the fountain, look at it again, verse 29, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. Now this fountain here gives the idea of a spring. It gives the idea of something that's continuous, all right? But whatever the exact issue was, we know this issue was a continual problem for her. And this problem, listen, had been going on continually for 12 long years. And in these 12 long years, understand this woman has tried to do everything humanly possible to get some help, to find some relief. Look at verse 26. 
and had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Listen, she went to every doctor she knew to go to. She had spent every dime she had. She went bankrupt trying to find some kind of help. But instead of getting help from the doctors, it only made things worse, I guess. That is why they call the doctor's office a practice. All right. Uh, well, that didn't work. Let's try this. Well, that didn't work either. Let's try this. That ain't going to work. Let's try this. You get what I'm saying. Okay. But she tried and tried everything she knew to try. But nothing helped. Spent every dime she had and had nothing to her name anymore trying to fix this problem. Let me ask you, if this was you, if this is you and for 12 years you've been dealing with an issue, dealing with a problem that no doctor could fix, and for 12 years you spent every last dime you had trying to find an answer, and for 12 years you found no help, no relief, no answer, you were completely bankrupt, nothing helped, but actually you got worse. Let me ask you this. Would you be desperate for help? Desperate for relief? Anybody out there? A couple of us, okay. I would be desperate for help. And I'm seeing this woman, as she's doing all these things, she is desperate for help. She was desperate for relief. Now sometimes... When folks face these situations, these times, questions begin to arise. Questions like, well, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve, deserve this? What am I supposed to do now? What do I do next? What this? Why this? We have those questions, right? Sometimes that happens when we find ourselves in a place of desperation like this. Questions arise. Now, questions are not bad, okay? They're not bad. Sometimes it's good to ask those kind of questions, but understand, we don't always have answers. We may not know the answers to those types of questions, but sometimes I believe, I believe the Lord allows us to go through those times even of desperation so that, listen, so that we will finally turn to Him. So that we will finally look to Him. Think about it for a moment, especially considering this, this lady. Do you think if she found help, found relief, found some kind of cure with a doctor or from a doctor, do you think she would have actually came to the Lord for help? Do you think she would have came to the Lord at all? Now, we don't know, of course. We can only speculate. But if I could suggest something, maybe the answer to that is no. Because think about it, if you had a cure, if you found a cure, if you found help elsewhere, why would you come to Jesus in the first place. So, sometimes I believe the Lord allows us to go through desperate times in order for us to come to Him, in order for us to see Him afresh and anew, in order to see His power again, in order to see His grace again, in order to see His goodness again, to get a fresh glimpse into the mercy and grace and goodness of our Savior. Sometimes He allows these things. Now, we want to say He makes these things. No, well, well listen, <laughs> don't put blame on Him, all right? But in His infinite wisdom and mercy, He allows sometimes these things to come. I've heard of many, many different stories and testimonies of individuals who talk about desperate times or talk about difficult times that God allowed in their life, and it brought them to Christ. I'm thinking of several. Several come through, through my mind. And I even have a personal testimony about that myself. 
You see, as I was graduating, about to graduate high school, I had two goals, all right? The only two goals I had in coming and graduating was this. Either I want to play football or I want to go in the military, all right? That was my two goals. Now, football for me would have been a very small college, okay? It would not have been as, hmm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you a story. It's actually on my grandma. She's in heaven, so I can talk about her, all right? But anyway, <clears throat> my grandmother told, told all the family at a family reunion, all right? I'm talking to everybody. Made a big announcement about her grandson, Philip. Here's what it was. Do you know my grandson, Philip? He turned down a full scholarship to University of Tennessee to go to Bible college. I didn't stop her, you know, from saying that, but, but she was wrong, okay? She was de definitely wrong. There was no, none of that, I promise. But I did want to play football, and I did want to go to small college, didn't care. And there's a couple of small colleges that had that potential and possibility. And if that didn't work out, I wanted to go into the military. But the last game of the season, I got hurt. And it just so happens the injury that I, that I, that I suffered, well, it took football away. And it took military away. I thought military took everybody. I mean, they were taking some of my friends that they could barely tie the shoelaces. Okay, I'm just saying, all right? But I thought it took everybody. But when they said, your injury is, is, is too much of a liability, we can't take you, man, that was devastating to me. So here I am, graduating high school. Football's gone. The military's gone. You know what I had to do? I had to get a job. It was terrible. But anyway... But if you used to tell me in that moment, Philip, the reason this has happened to you, I know you're in a confusing time and maybe in a little bit of a desperate kind of time, don't know what to do. The reason this has happened to you is down the road in 20 years you're going to be the pastor at Bowling Springs Baptist Church. Now, if you'd have told me that, I would have very kindly laughed at you and probably worse, okay? <laughs> Done something different. Because that was not even close to what I was ever thinking of doing with my life. But you see, God allowed these times to come through my life in order for me to turn to Him, to look to Him, to come to Him. And sometimes He allows it in yours too. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you can tell a testimony like something similar to that. That God allowed this into your life. Why? Because it made you turn more to Him. Now listen, sometimes God, listen, understand, He allows those times to come into our lives. This woman was desperate and in her desperation she came to Christ. So let me ask you before we go to the next point. Are you desperate this morning? Are you in a place of desperation, a desperate situation? Could it be that the Lord is allowing that to come into your life so that you may come and turn to Him? If so, can I implore you and encourage you, come to Jesus. Turn to the Lord. Come to Christ. All right. Understand this woman, well, she's in a place of desperation. And then number two, from this miracle, I want you to see this. Understand and look at her explanation. Look at verse 27. I love, I love what the, this verse says here, the very first part of verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. When she had heard of Jesus. Understand this woman was absolutely desperate. It's been all she had. Had, had suffered much at the hands of doctors, and it would seem all human efforts had been exhausted, all right? She was desperate, in a desperate state. But in a desperate state, someone told her of Jesus. They, they, maybe a friend or family member, somebody told her 
of Christ. Maybe a complete stranger told her what Jesus had preached on, told her of the compassion of the Lord Jesus, or told her of one of the many miracles thus far that Jesus has already performed. Maybe she had heard of the miracle of the man with the withered hand, another physical ailment. Maybe she'd heard of that. Maybe she heard about the paralyzed man who was born of four, who were taken to the rooftop and, and rolled back the rooftop and lowered that man who was paralyzed all the way down in front of Jesus. Maybe, maybe she heard that one. Or maybe she had heard about the nobleman's son who was healed but, but with a word. Maybe she had heard about the centurion's servant who again was healed with but, what, uh, but, but with word. Maybe she had heard about the man with leprosy who Jesus touched and healed. Or many, or more than the other many physical calamities that folks had that came to Christ. Maybe she'd heard about something like that. And she'd heard of Jesus. Whoever it was she heard it from, or whichever miracle it was that she heard, we don't know. But we do know this, as the scripture plainly says, when she had heard of Jesus, someone told her, is what I'm getting at this morning, Someone explained to her what Jesus was doing and had done. Let me ask you this morning, who is it? Who is that someone that you need to tell to? Who is that someone that you need to explain the gospel to? To tell someone of Jesus, who is that someone? Understand there are folks all around us that need to hear of Jesus. They need to hear it from you, not just from your preacher. Not just from someone from your church, but from you personally. They need to hear it from you. It's our God-given responsibility as believers to preach, tell the gospel. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 14. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. What a wonderful verse. That's the very verse that I hang my soul upon. Because when I was 16 years old, I called upon Christ to save me. But here's what the next verse says. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Oh, good, it's talking about you, preacher. No, it's not. Yes, it is, but no, it's not. <laughs> it's talking about anyone that would herald forth or proclaim the gospel. That's you too. Anybody. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts. Why? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Again, Mark 16, 15, he said, And then go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We must go forth and tell someone. So who is the someone that you know is on your heart, you know is on your mind, that God's been trying to direct you to and tell you to talk to about Christ? Who is that someone? They need to hear it and hear it from you. Here's some very um, challenging and convicting words that Paul writes to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Listen, someone told this lady of Jesus, and it changed her life forever. Who is that you need to tell today? Don't wait any longer. Tell them. Tell someone of Jesus. Aren't you glad someone told you? All right. 
We'll get there. I know some of us are missing our coffee this morning. That's okay. Aren't you glad someone told you of Jesus? Yeah, there you go. All right. You know I had another side to it, did you? But listen, I'm thankful someone told me. But somebody needs to hear it from you too. And this woman, when she heard of Jesus, the Bible says, came. You never know what someone's going through. They may put a big old bright smile on their face, but deep down inside their soul, they are desperate for some help and for some relief. And they just need to hear about Jesus. Tell someone. Tell someone. All right. So we see... We see her desperation, we see her explanation. Then I want to see this, number three, her expectation. All right? Her expectation. And by this, here's what I mean. I want to see her faith. Her faith. Look at verse 28. I love what the Bible says here. Verse 28 about this lady. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, here it is, I shall be whole. I shall be whole. I love this phrase, what she says. I shall be whole. I shall be whole. She didn't say, if, if, if I touch him, ah, mm, I hope I get some help. She didn't say, maybe, if, if, if I might just get close to him, and maybe if I, I touch him, maybe, maybe I'll find a little comfort. She didn't say, here in the Bible, she didn't say, perhaps, if, if I come to him and, and touch him, I'll find some slight relief from this issue that has plagued me for 12 years. No, she didn't say that. What was her faith? It was this. She said this. I shall be whole. I love this expectation this woman has here. She's expecting God to work on her behalf. And in her life, when she comes to Him. That, my friend, is true faith. An expectation in your faith. After everything she had heard about Jesus, after everything she knew about Christ, after all the miracles and the mighty things Jesus has done, no doubt she examined that evidence, took it to heart, and believed that He could do the same for her. Why? Because nothing is too hard for God. That's why. She took it to heart and believed on the Lord. Now don't get me wrong about her faith here. Yes, she was expecting the Lord's power to be more than enough for her issue, but understand, she didn't come with pomp and attitude. She didn't come in a prideful way. She didn't come with, well, Jesus had better do this for me, done this for everybody else, better do it for me too. She didn't come that way. That's not how she came. Look how she came. Look at verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus came, here it is, in the press behind and touched his garment. She came with a hopeful humility. She came, she came from behind everyone, meaning she wanted to avoid the crown. She tried to slip up into secret to touch his garment and then slip back in secret without being seen. She was not trying to be the center of attention. She was wanting to be humble and she was hopeful at the same time. She had a hopeful and humble expectation in her faith. I like that. And this, my friends, I believe is real true trust and confidence. Real true trust and faith. And I believe even Jesus recognized that. Look at verse 34. And he, that's Jesus, said to her daughter, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. She had real faith. A faith that was expecting God's power and the Lord Jesus to be Enough, but I don't want you to miss the greatest thing about her faith. 
You see, what made the difference was not just her faith, but really the object of her faith. And the object of her faith is the Lord Himself. Look again at verse 28. All right, look at verse 28. For she said, If I may touch but His clothes, I shall be whole. She was making an emphasis here uh, with her faith, of her faith, and it was not in her ability to get to Him, not her ability, but rather His ability. And she, had, she believed He had so much ability and so much power that it was leaking out of His being and into His clothing. This is the kind of faith she had. It was great faith, yes, but the greatest thing about it all was the object of her great faith, and that was in a great God. Lord Jesus Christ. And this made all the greatest difference in her life as she came to Christ and put her faith in Him. And listen, this makes all the difference in our lives as well. Yes, faith, trust, confidence is important, but who you put that faith, trust, and confidence in makes all the difference. It's more important You get that. It's Appalachian. Terrible English, but good Appalachian. All right. It's important. Who you trust. Please trust the Lord. Have faith in God. That's what Jesus said to his disciples about something that was absolutely impossible. He said, have faith in God, period. And this woman had that kind of faith in God. All right. So number one, we see her desperation. Number two, we see her explanation. Number number three, we see her expectation. And lastly, I want to see this. You ready? Notice her salvation. Man, this is fantastic. Look at verse 34. And he said unto her, daughter... Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. You know, as I read this verse, it just simply reminds me again how precious and how gracious our Lord is. He is so gracious, so precious. Notice again how the Lord addresses this lady. Look at verse 34. And he said this. And he said unto her, Daughter. Daughter. This is very precious. It's very precious to me. And it really, it seems to be the only time the Lord Jesus uses this term, at least recorded for us in the Bible, this term here for, for this lady calls her daughter. Why? Because it signifies something new. It signifies a change in the relationship between this lady and the Lord Jesus. It signifies a new found relationship. You see, there's only two girls in all the world that I have the privilege of calling daughter. That's Neely and Josie. Both of them across the way. That's the only two girls in all the world that I can say daughter to. Why? Because they're my kids. They are my daughters. They belong to me. That's their relationship to me. I'm their father. They're my daughters. That's a relationship that I have with them. Previously, this woman didn't have that. But now when you come to verse 34, Jesus said, daughter. What was he letting her know? He was letting her know she now has a new relationship. She now has a new family. She now has new life. She now has new relationship. And everything was going to be new now. And when you come to Christ, everything becomes new. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things were new for this lady. She had a new relationship. 
She had a new, new lease on life. The plague was gone. She had new health. Everything about her was going to be new. Even her social status was going to be new. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. With an issue of blood, this woman would have been considered ceremonially unclean. And so she would have been for 12 years an outcast, staying away from family, staying away from friends, staying away from society. But now that she's come to Christ, everything was new, and she had a new lease on life, was able to come back into society. It's amazing to really to see how God changed everything for this woman, and everything became new. But what made her uh, new? What, what, what caused her to be that child? Here it is again. Look at verse 34. He said unto her daughter, here it is, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Listen, it was her faith in the Lord that made her a daughter of the king, a child of the king. Everything was now going to be new. Again, going back to her faith in Christ, this made everything new, made her a child of God. And I wonder this morning, I wonder this morning, are you a child of God? Are you a son or daughter of the King? Do you know Christ as your Savior? If not, listen carefully above the sound of that big airplane. (laughs) Listen carefully. If you are not a child of God, if you are not, the only way to become one is to come to Jesus. As this woman came to Jesus, how? Humbly and in faith, by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. So if you're not a child of God, believe on Him, come to Him, trust Him by faith. In John chapter 1, verse 11 through 12, But as many as received Him, meaning took Him, meaning received, like receiving a gift, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were not born of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So understand, this woman had a newfound salvation. Where did she find it? Wasn't it no doctor? Wasn't it no human, other human possibilities? No, it was found only in Jesus Christ. That's where salvation is found, my friends, because He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. Salvation is of the Lord. So she found it, though, when she came to Jesus. So this woman here, She experienced a mighty miracle in her life. But she found that when she came to Christ. She was in a desperate situation, but someone told her of Jesus. And by faith, she came to Christ and placed her faith in Him and accepted accepted Christ. And guess what? Jesus accepted her and changed her life forever. So maybe you're here this morning. Finding yourself in a situation you don't understand fully and completely and even seems desperate. Well, could it be that God's allowing that for you to come to Him? Come to Him in salvation. Come to Him in faith. Believing Him to, to help in a situation. But more importantly, to, to believe on Him as your Savior. And be saved today. 
Because the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Understand Jesus died for you, was buried for you, and rose again the third day according to scriptures, all for you to give us salvation. And salvation is in Him. And this woman found it. She found it. What a mighty miracle that we see this performed, yes, of the physical calamity, but listen, the greatest miracle in this miracle was when Jesus accepted her and saved her. And by the way, it's the greatest miracle anyone can ever experience is the salvation of their soul found again in Christ and Him alone. So come to Jesus this morning. Come to Christ today. Believe on Him as your Savior today. Call upon His name and be saved today. Don't wait any longer. For maybe there's someone that came to your mind or came to your heart when we were talking about that explanation, meaning someone told or she had heard of Jesus. Maybe there's someone you need to tell today of the Lord Jesus. Don't wait any longer. Don't wait any longer. Tell someone today. And as we sing in just a moment, maybe you can nail down that decision at the altar that you will go and tell. Or maybe they need to come and pray and say, look, would you help me to pray? I'm not exactly sure if I know Jesus as my Savior. Would you help me, Pastor? Yes, I will help you. You can do that as we sing in just a moment. But come to Jesus.